Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go To The Weekly Chronological Journey Through 30 Rock, looking at the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all the blurks that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amick. And this episode is episode 27, season 2, episode 6, Somebody to Love. David, would you please give us a quick synopsis slash summary of Somebody to Love? Liz Lemon is racist again. <laughs> Jack has a forbidden love story with Nurse Jackie, and Kenneth goes on a journey all around to replace Jack's suit pants. Yes. I think, though, so far, this is just one of the weakest episodes of season two. It has some laughs in it. Uh, I don't know, I just feel like a lot of it is forgettable. Like, Kenneth's story is, is ultimately a forgettable set of jokes. And, like, well, the Jack and Cece storyline is important because it'll take place over the next couple of episodes. But I just... I don't. I don't really like racist storylines and Liz Lemon because you want to root for her. She's your hero. She's your heroine. She's, well, even heroes but, have flaws. I know, but I don't want her flaw to be that she's <laughs> racist. But I don't. I just don't like it. Um, really, it's fine, but it's just it's not as as the the last few episodes have been like a string of hits. This one is just like eh, not great. So I sort of agree. I, I think two of the three plot lines, the Liz plot line and the Kenneth plot line, feel very fillery. Mm-hmm. But on some of the line level writing is really clever, and some of like the the running visual gags of the episode are are really well done. So I think on it, it, it's it's really funny if you look at it from that perspective, and we'll get into how. You know that's done, but yeah, overall it do, it does feel a little inconsequential and like not much yeah, happens because we never see Raheem again, even though he says I'm gonna get revenge or I'm gonna do something big. Who's Raheem? Never see him. Red Armisen's character, Raheem. Uh, we never see him again ever, and it's just like a forgotten storyline altogether. It's just I don't know. It's fine, and there are some laughs here. But it's just kind of almost like an instantly forgettable episode. Yeah, well, I mean, it does, right, it, I guess it doesn't do that much new. It does reinforce, though, the critique of white liberals who secretly do, or not even secretly, but when it comes down to it, often do racist or prejudicial things a lot, even though they may present other things about their beliefs most of the time yeah yeah which so i mean it's not new for this for liz lemon character we we see she's done this before in the first season um but this is the worst that she's been and i think it's the worst that she gets i don't think she ever gets this bad uh the rest of the series but for her to go this far so early in the series and for just with blind ignorance is just uh, it's not a good look for the character so i don't really like it um, just again, because I want to root for her. I want to, I want to cheer her on and I, I can't defend anything that she's doing here because once the reveal comes of what Rahim and his brother were doing, it's just like, wow, you're just a bad person and you could have easily, I don't know, there, there's just so many other ways this could have been handled and you just handled it in the worst way. But it's also like time of the time it was around like 
it was post 9-11. She's living in New York. Maybe there's a different ideal. I don't know. I'm not defending it, but I'm just trying to... So, I mean, this is 2007, 2008. So, so it's, it's been a few 9/11. years. I mean, right. We're, it's we're at the like end of the Bush years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it still is just like, yeah. I don't know. Other than that, the episode, I just... Eh. This one and the next episode, which we'll talk about next next time, are just like two episodes that I'm just like, there's laughs here, but eh, I can forget. Like if these were scrapped, I'd be like, okay, I I don't I feel like I'm not missing anything. But well, it sounds like I'll be in the unusual position of doing more defending of the episode. Okay, so let's jump let's in. Let's hop into the cold open, which sort of sets up uh, Liz's running theme through this episode of of being questionable of everything and and being nervous about potential attacks if you see something say see something. something say something and we don't poison the earth the terrorists do yes. shine Hartwig company are you making waffles no quiet somebody is and the maple syrup smells delicious Hey, I just wanted to make sure you're practicing your rerun dance for the What's Happening sketch. I'm trying, Liz Lemon, but I can't concentrate. Somebody on my block is making waffles, and it's making me horny. Wait, you smell maple syrup too? You live all the way in Jersey. That's weird. Hold on. Hello? Do you smell maple syrup? Yes. Don't panic, Lemon. It's probably not a chemical attack. Well, what do you mean, probably? It's probably just a strange wind pattern coming off those factories in Staten Island where food flavors are made. I don't think it's Northrax. What's Northrax? It's a chemical agent we sold to the Saudis in the 1980s. It smells exactly like maple syrup. But I don't think this is it. Well, how do you know? Because Northrax kills you within 10 seconds. Okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. So what's kind of interesting there is that Jack clearly thought there was potentially a terrorist attack going on, and the first person he thought to call was Liz Lemon. Yeah, that's weird. I didn't really think of it like that. But yeah, like, why would you call her first and not anyone else? I guess it just shows, like, he he does care for her on some sort of level. Or maybe it wasn't the first person she called, but he could have called her. Or Hurley just has no friends or acquaintances or anyone he can call, so the first person he thought to call was Liz Lemon. True, he he probably doesn't have a lot of friends, to be honest. He probably just has, like, a lot of work work associates or whatever but um yeah I, but like in that in that bit there's a good visual of tracy just doing like a, a, a <laughs> just like to no music just doing a rerun dance which is just like if you remember in an early episode i was telling you about the doobie brothers concert that's a rerun that's what rerun is so there you go references full circle um but Someone on IMDb Trivia did say that Tracy Jordan's necklace disappears in that scene. It doesn't so much disappear as it falls off. But it's very, like, I had to keep re-watching it and even sort of slow it down to see it. But it does. He just, like, he sort of hits his hand in a way. And it, I guess it just jostles his, like, necklace to come loose and it falls to the floor. But it does look like it disappears, but it actually just falls off. So, correct that IMDb mistake. Why don't you? Right. You want to set the scene up? Jack has to get his hair did because it's been two days. Oh my god, could you imagine getting your hair cut every two days? I guess yeah. if you've got the facilities to do That's it. True. If it was in your well office and you could just pop down or pop up to wherever to get it done quickly, yeah. it would be okay. But otherwise, no. no that sounds no. terrible. Even if I, I don't know, just, it sounds just, uh, but I do like the line about how bitchy, uh, white conservative men are. Like, cause it's usually like the gays are the ones that are the most catty and bitchy about, about your looks, but. 
white conservatives are the worst. And there's a fun like running gag. Also, most everyone in the uh, 30 Rock offices are wearing these Shinehart wig shirts that he's giving out. And like they're not like bringing necessarily attention to it. Like Kenneth's wearing it. The guy cutting his hair is wearing it. I think the lady in the background of this shot is wearing it. They're just all like in support of the company <laughs> or yes. or they're just being forced to do it. I don't know. Yes. You should explain why, why that is because... Yes. Well, the, the back of the shirt says uh, not poisoning reverse since 1997. <laughs> Which does so get explained. Even the though they never explicitly say anything, it's clear that they're being accused of... Right. Well, that's not true. In the, I think it's expanded. In, in, on the like, MSNBC interview. Yeah, with, they, they, they mention it briefly here, but then it gets expanded yeah. a little bit more in an upcoming episode. But yeah, there's this whole um, trial going on of... Um, a city like NBC or Shinehart uh, dumped a bunch of chemicals in a, in a lake or a reservoir and it bled into a city. And so now their children are orange. Yeah. And so it'll, it'll come out as the episode goes yeah. on, but there's, yeah. there's a connection between CC and Jack. Make me look like this. Right. Like that's a stretch. <laughs> Thanks for that call last night. I get really nut burgers over this homeland security stuff. Always check with me first, Lemon. I have NSA connections. Good. Didn't you just get a haircut two days ago? I get my haircut every two days. After all, your hair is your head suit. I'm going to a party tonight honoring Robert Novak as being thrown by John McCain and Jack Bauer. Um, I don't think he's real. Well, I assure you, Lemon, John McCain is very real. I have to look perfect when it comes to hair. No one is more bitchy than conservative males. Good Lord, Donaghy, did you comb your hair with a chicken bone? <laughs> the underlying joke, of course, being that all their hair is basically the same. Yeah, they all look exactly the same. <laughs> Just some are a little grayer or whiter than others, yeah, but they more than have the same part, same, the same part, general, yeah. Same sweep, yeah. They can be brutal. Well, have fun. Don't get peer pressured into invading Iran. Oh, uh, before you go, I'd like you to put this on. <laughs> Shinehart Wig Company, what's this? A way to show support for our parent company, which is having a little PR hiccup right now. All right, thanks. I picked up your tuxedo from the cleaners, Mr. Donaghy, just like you asked. Thank you, Kenneth. Uh, let me just take this plastic off, because I saw a Martha Stewart, how we're all doing everything wrong. Uh, where are the pants? Sweet peaches, what have I done? Somewhere along the way, they must have slipped out the bottom. But it's all right, Kenneth, these things happen. <sighs> Uncle Butch was right. I'm just a stupid country bumpkin with great skin and soft hands. I'll just have Jonathan bring over another pair. No, sir. This is my mistake. I will replace your pants. They cost $2,500. I will find your pants. $2,500 pants is insane. I don't yes. know. I mean, that's a lot to spend on pants. I would, I would wear. But them. also, if you're the executive of MV, or you the, can afford it. Yeah. But I would. Ha- I feel like I would wear them every day to justify that purchase. That's just that's an insane amount of money. But that sets up Kenneth's storyline of now I've got to find twenty five hundred dollars to buy a pair of pants. Well, he doesn't even know where those pants come from, so he's just got to like raise twenty five hundred dollars and then hope that they match that suit. Like it's just. Well, as they say, just for the job you want. So if you spend $2,500 on those pants, then you'll... I'll be a GE executive. You will executive. be the GE executive, the next GE executive. Oh, well, Comcast now, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, Comcast. Yeah. NBC I'll be a NBC Comcast NBC. executive, and I'll get free internet and cable. I win. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but now we uh, we come back to Liz's apartment, and <laughs> despite her excitement to receive her... Uh, what does she call it? Um, her shampoo. Her, sh- her prescription yes. shampoo. <laughs> Uh, it's actually delivered to the wrong address, and it's not hers. All right, my prescription shampoo. 
have your mail. I live across the hall. Hi. I didn't even realize anyone had moved in over here. Welcome. I'm Liz. What's your name? Rahim. Rahim? That's, that's my mother's name. No, no, I'm just kidding. That's Give me my package, please. Oh, okay. Well, it was nice to meet... If someone's unfriendly to me, they must be a terrorist. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, I don't... This is just, this is... Uh, I mean, we've talked about it before, like, misunderstandings are always funny. And it's like, if he just said straight up right there, like, oh, I am i don't want to touch you, I'm, I'm trying to get on the Amazing Race, or I don't want to get sick. Problem solved. He never, she never would have thought he was a terrorist or anything like that. But of course, for the sake of the show... He has to look at her like she's different and, and not interact with her because, and so she sees it because he's Middle Eastern that there's something wrong and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, it's just one of those things that if someone talked to the other person, nothing would ever happen. But that's not as fun. So I understand why it has to be this way. I just, I don't know, it's just such a lazy way to be racist about something or to be offensive about presuming about a race. I just don't like it. But, I don't know. I'm not writing comedies, so I can't really say too much. But that's Fred Armisen um, playing Rahim Adid. And uh, so we teased it last week. You have to explain why you don't like Fred Armisen now. Oh, I just I, I just find him creepy and not funny at all. Creepy and not funny. Explain. Like, what's creepy about him? It's, I don't know. His general persona? I, I, I mean... That's fair. There's not much to explain. It's just... Well, I mean, there, there is a little, it could probably be a little, um, explained better, but I think I get what you mean though, because he, he generally does sort of play like, he never really plays the straight man. He's always playing a character and the character is generally off-putting or very, not cringy, but I don't know. He just, he just says or does uncomfortable things, uh, for everyone else in a skit or, or, yeah, that's fair. Yes. Also, there have been rumblings of improprieties in his person. Nothing, so no one's come public, so nothing that's been publicly disclosed or, you know, anything that we can confirm or say anything has happened. But it's the sort of whispery things that have come up around a lot of celebrities before actual things came out, like specifically Kevin Spacey and Louis C.K. is what I'm thinking of. But mm-hmm. again, nothing's been made public, so we don't know if anything is true or just anonymous chatter. That isn't true, but but the chatter is stemming from something. Yes. It wouldn't just be apropos of nothing, but yeah. Just let's say it wouldn't surprise me if it wouldn't something surprise came me out. Either just yeah, I don't know. Just with his personality, it seems like he would probably do something like that. Right. So that that hasn't helped my just impression. I, I've always found yeah, I've just always found him creepy and off putting anyway. So with that, it's like well. I mean, I, I can't think of anything he's been in that I thought yeah. was, like, amazing. Like, because, I mean, I, I've seen plenty of things he's been in, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Nothing that I've ever like, said, oh, like, oh, oh like, what an amazing, funny actor. Yeah. I mean, I like a lot of his work that he would do on SNL, and, like, I need to finish Portlandia. I think I maybe got through two seasons of that. Um, I liked his short little run on Last Man on Earth. Like, he does a lot of really fun character actors when he like does cameos and stuff but he always usually does play the off-putting character or like the very uncomfortable um 
um, character when he's presented that way. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I think we've talked about it before of, of potential rumblings about his, his personal life. And it's just like, you want to believe the victim, but in this case, there are no victims. So right. you don't want to like wrongfully convict or just take some, some anonymous sources at their word. But at the same time, given that it is a rampant thing, you don't want to dismiss it. So it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to blacklist, blacklist him just yet. But, uh, it's it's a weird it's a weird dance but yeah I mean for me it's like I find him creepy anyway that's just another thing that just makes me feel a little off about him but again nothing has been publicly disclosed or discussed or accused so yeah. and, and you are as a consumer absolutely have every right to just not like someone because yes. of their work and that's totally fair but alright alright but he's in this episode a lot, so... He sure is. <laughs> also, he's married to Elizabeth Moss, which seems very strange. Is he a Scientologist? Because she I is. Think it, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like you get married and you're married into Scientology, or yeah. if you have to well, still join. They, were only, they weren't married very long, only a couple of years, so... Oh, so they're no longer married? No. They oh. bit, like, they were Maybe married, that's why like, he got out. Eight or, years or, ago or, or something. Extramarital reason, but... Um, yeah. Well, that reminds me. She was on. Well, she wasn't on, but in an SNL sketch, uh, Will Ferrell was hosting. It was a, it was one of those like avant-garde sketches where like it closed out the season or it closed out the episode. It was very weird. But so they basically play Billy Joel's "Goodbye from Vietnam" or I can't remember the name exactly. Anyway, so it's very weird. So the whole setup of it's these four guys are in the bar and they're just like talking like, oh, summer's coming up. Where are you going to go? And I was like, oh, I might go Vietnam. And one of the guys, like Bill Hader, I think, is like, oh, you went to Vietnam. What's it like? And Will Ferrell's character breaks into singing the song from Billy Joel. And then at the very end, he's joined by like the ensemble cast. And then a number of people show up that weren't even in the episode. Paul Rudd shows up, Anne Hathaway shows up, Amy Poehler shows up, Maya Rudolph shows up. A lot of them are like off the show. I think Green Day were the musical guests. They show up. Norm MacDonald shows up. Artie Lang, who was never on SNL, shows up. And then Elizabeth Moss is there because Fred Armisen is there. So this is Uh one I think they either dating or married. Mm -hmm. So she's on stage. All of these people are on stage singing the song. And then they all just like walk off together. It's very weird. It's a very, very weird sketch. But she she has made an SNL appearance. I don't think she's ever actually hosted though. But that was her first SNL appearance. So there you go. <laughs> Fun fact. There you go. Wow. Wow. Uh, but Liz returns home and starts questioning Rahim to Pete, who we I forgot he still lives with her. I'm not actually sure when that ends though. So we'll, we'll just keep an eye out. Have you met the guy across the hall? Rahim, yeah, he's a good egg. He's weird. He wouldn't shake my hand, and I think it's because I'm a woman. And get this, he's got maps all over his walls. Maps. Maps? You mean like that one? That's different. That's, That's an antique, and I'm a white lady. What are you saying there, Liz? Pete, you know me. I never make assumptions about race. Remember I asked that black guy if he had seen Sideways? But this guy, I don't like him. You're being paranoid. Rahim is a really nice guy, and he's always helping. He rewired the toaster oven, and he showed me a back way to the airport. Listen to yourself, Pete. I, mean, I don't want to sound racist, but that Peter Pocket might be a terrorist. Does that sound racist? 
I think outright calling someone of Middle Eastern descent a pita pocket does cross a line for Liz Lemon of white liberal who like does sort of like underhanded racist things. And so that's a little over the top for that yeah. character, I think. Yeah. Like, I don't think she would ever do something overtly that. No, no, nothing that blatant. Yeah. So that line is a little. It's a little much. Much and out of character. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, like, when you could ever call someone a pita pocket and it would be affectionate. No, absolutely it not. It would never be affectionate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's not a good look for her, and that's really why I don't like it throughout this episode. But, um, I, I th- so also, there's a lot of fun, like, background jokes in this. Every time we see Pete watching TV, there it's, it's related to Cece's character. Because I think in the opening, they're watching the Cece Cunningham Lifetime movie. There... I think he's watching it also because they keep saying like the Cun- the Celeste Cunningham story or today on Lifetime. So like it's just the, a lot of small like sprinklings of jokes in the background of this episode because like Jack ultimately starts watching the, the made for TV movie and stuff. It's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun jokes in this that are just like under the radar. So all of Pete's TV watching of the C.C. Cunningham story foreshadows nicely as Jack goes to the party and meets a woman who he doesn't know who she is yet. And she doesn't know what who And he she is. doesn't know who he is, yeah. but they flirt and hit it off and go home together. And mm-hmm. then the next morning, they find out a little bit more yeah, about who they are. The more I thought about this, so it seemed like this is a Republican-based thing because it was thrown by um, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. No. What? Who's the guy that was throwing the party? He just recently passed away. Oh, John McCain. Yeah. So John McCain's throwing this party. It seems like it's a Republican-based party, and we learn that CeCe is Democrat. So what was she doing at this party is what I want to know. Not that it seemed like it was like a, a vicious party or anything, but it just seems like giving her stance, she wouldn't be invited to something like this. Maybe. Well, it is said that she's in her first year as a congresswoman, so it could be that lots of people were invited, including, you know, maybe she's newer. It could have been an impartial. Maybe, right, or maybe John McCain made the effort to reach out to all new incoming congressmen, regardless of what I mean. I I mean, it's... 2007 was, I guess, still things were partisan, but... Even compared to now, it wasn't nearly as fractured. That's true. So I guess because he was going to start running for president in that term, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's probably trying to appeal to everybody. That too. So he's going to invite as yeah. many as because if you remember, come. part of what he ran was his thing was he's a maverick and he he he's not bound by a party. He just does what he thinks is right, regardless of the political implication or what parties standing it fits better yada 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 so in that context it makes sense too i guess maybe if he were a maverick when voting on healthcare, it would have been a lot better for a lot more people well he was at the end it took him long enough yes well so happy morning to cc and jack thank you for an incredible night really did you have a good time because i really did Unbelievably good. And thank you for letting me try that thing I tried. I'm sorry I dropped you. Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, who knew that Ottoman had wheels, right? Well, I gotta get to work. Uh, when can I see you again? Anytime. You name it. 
Congressman Cunningham it is a pleasure to have you on our program. Hi, Dan. Thank you for having me. We understand that Celeste Cunningham. Cece. You didn't tell me you're a congresswoman. I just ended my first year. In your district, but also on some of your constituents. D. Vermont. Big business is out to get us again. The Scheinhardt Wig Company has dumped thousands of gallons of Auburn Fantasy Dye Number 260 into the Chickatauga River, turning the children of Chickatauga orange. And I will not rest until this company and all of its subsidiaries are held financially responsible. Why do you have this? Yeah, I run a Scheinhardt Wig subsidiary called NBC. Oh, my God. You're Jack Donaghy? What were you even doing at that party last night? Oh my God, this was a mistake. Forget about what I said. I can never be seen with you again. You're right. We have to pretend that this never happened. Yeah, I have to get out of here. Damn it. The worst part is, I really liked you a lot. <sighs> Gave her the ottoman and she walked out. So I guess we should talk about Edie Falco. I don't have much experience with her. Um, she, I think, not her big break, but I think most people in the last 20 years would probably uh, know her mostly from like Sopranos of course, and yeah. Nurse Jackie. Nurse, yeah, those are two biggest. Um, but she's like one of those consistently um, like uh, prestige TV and, and kind of award winning shows. Oh, yeah, and, she's won many Emmys. Yeah. Um, she's fine. I mean, I like her run on 30 Rock. This is really, sadly, this shows my ignorance, but this is all I really know her from because I've never really watched The Sopranos and Nurse Jackie just doesn't seem like anything that just is up my alley, but I like It was one I of the like first 30-minute dark comedies that was really pretty much a drama, but it had like a couple jokes in it, I think, so yeah. they, they classified it as a comedy. I guess Sopranos could be considered a dark comedy, too. Cause but it's an hour long, and, so... Oh, no. That's a difference. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's she's fine on this. And I'm what I've seen of Sopranos, like, she's fine as that character. But I just, I don't have enough experience with her to say much about her. I don't know if you do or not. No, I haven't watched many things that she's in either. Okay. So yeah. she also played the, when they did the Law and Order True Crime Menendez Brothers case, she played the, I don't know, she was similar. She was the prosecutor, the defense, I don't know which one. But I remember, I remember she had, like, a big old crazy wig. So. <laughs> Was that after the OJ thing or before? Uh, I feel I like that was remember. post OJ. Because I remember the OJ thing being really big, and I was like, oh, they're going to do this again for another big trial. Yeah, I don't know. But the minute it might have been before, I'm not sure. Anyway, that was also the only season of Law and Order True Crime because it didn't do so hot. Uh, well, then, uh, well, so then the e, the FX thing was the OJ thing, right? Yeah, that was American Crime Story. American Crime Story. Yeah. Okay, that's a different franchise. That is a, you're right. I'm no, sorry. but I, but but seriously though, like. My understanding is the Law and Order was pretty Law and Ordery, like typical. Whereas American Crime Story, which well, I haven't seen the OJ one, but I saw I the, the Versace one. one. Oh, no, Versace. I watched the Versace one, and it's a lot. Well, from what I understand of the OJ season, it's a lot more character driven and drama driven than straight up. Like obviously, there's like the crime and court aspect, but it's not. It's it's not as you know the law and order format of first half we do this and you know then we go to trial and yada 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 yada. yeah it seems more chronological the oj version or the oj option i don't know i i remember it being like critically hailed and a lot of people like oh david schwimmer does a good job and blah blah. i was just like i I live like i I, even though i was a kid i was like i lived through this i don't really want to watch this again and i 
I don't personally care about the the personal drama of the prosecutors or the defendants or anything like that. Like I'm I'm not interested in really watching this, but if there were a documentary, that would be more appealing to me. Because there is a documentary, OJ, Made in America. Okay, so that's what I'm thinking is the FX thing. No, no. Is that... No, so American Crime Story was FX. OJ, Made in right. America was, it might have been ESPN actually, but like it won, it was a weird thing where it, like I think it won both an Oscar and an Emmy because the way it was released was like it was technically eligible for both. Hmm. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. But I, I do know it won the Oscar for Best Documentary or something like that even though it's, it was technically like three parts that are like a couple hours each or something. It was... Yeah. It somehow managed to take advantage of loopholes to qualify as both like a series and a movie or something. So, but anyway, I've I, I haven't watched that the documentary either, but I have heard really really good things about that. So I mm-hmm. think it was on Hulu. I think at some point. I don't know if it still is, but it sure it's probably it. streaming somewhere. Yeah, on the internet. Um, there's also another really good another joke that can easily just be missed uh, during like the news crawl uh, when he's watching the TV. Um, this is a, a reference made well into the production of this episode, but it says, News crawl affected by writer's strike using repeat text from previous season. Like, clearly that's just someone on the inside like making a joke about the writer's strike that had just started a week ago um, before this episode. But it's fun. It's, I mean, it's it's always fun to just see like, and I think one was also saying like, uh, Anne Heche left her husband for a pony, which... I mean, that's a very old joke as far as I know, but I don't know. Because I remember, like, I think the major joke early, late 90s, early 2000s was Anne Heche was quote-unquote crazy because she started dating Ellen DeGeneres and then she broke up and then was talking about seeing aliens or something. I thought it was, I I thought it was, I I didn't realize she had that sort of thing. I thought it was just like some, like, bi-phobia thing where it was like, oh, she just, she just drops a a woman, now she dropped a woman, now she went back to men. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it was a a number of things, but I think there was also something where she was, like, running around nude or something, was blaming (sighs) on aliens. I missed that one. late 90s, early 2000s. It was a very bizarre um, series of events for Anne Heche. And I don't know if her career's ever covered. I don't know if, not really. So she was on that HBO show hung for a couple of years. That was, I mean, that was a while ago now. Yeah. She had an ABC show. I want to, it was called Men in Trees or something. But that was another one that only, I never watched it. It only lasted a season or two. But she had, yeah, she hasn't really done uh, anything big no. in a while. Yeah. Which I'm not judging her or criticizing her necessarily, but it's, I mean, she seemed like in the mid to late 90s, she was doing well. She had a burgeoning career and. Really and like many other actors in Hollywood, she she, she made the mistake her, of getting too old. She reached her thirties, which right. is apparently too old, and they said, "No more, thank you. You can come back in 10, 15 years and play grandmothers." <laughs> so Liz comes to Jack's office to report a potential terrorist. Hey. Uh, what do you need, Lemon? Nothing. I just uh, it can wait. Lemon, there's nothing you could say to me that you can't say in front of Jonathan. I think my Middle Eastern neighbor is a terrorist, and I don't know what to do. That's ridiculous, Lemon. Some of our greatest patriots have been of Middle Eastern descent, and I'm appalled to hear you engage in racial profiling like that. I'm kidding. Be an American. Call it in. This is the number of a friend of mine in a very high-level position in Homeland Security. Oh, no. Not now I don't know. Maybe I'm just being paranoid. If a bleeding-heart liberal like you has any suspicion. I know, right? Nice ringtone, Jack. It's not my ringtone. I hate that San Francisco sound. 
How am I calling myself? This isn't even my phone. Jack? Cece? I think I have your phone. Uh, yeah. Well, you must have grabbed it by accident. After our night of doing it. I take the freight elevator to the sixth floor and I'll be right down. Uh, Are you all right? Well, last night I... Never mind. These Verizon wireless phones are just so popular, I accidentally grabbed one belonging to an acquaintance. Well, sure, because that Verizon wireless service is just unbeatable. I mean, if I saw a phone like that on TV, I would be like, where is my nearest retailer so I can get one? Can we have our money now? So, Jokes. two main threads to talk about there. Oh. First, the first part of that scene is a good critique of basically white people performing tolerance or whatever in <laughs> in front of people of color and then instead of leaving you know all of a sudden like actually no this, this, this is right. how we really should handle it yeah. um also jonathan's face because like a, 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 after after jack says the thing about you know like some of our greatest patriots like he gives liz this little look of just like smugness <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. that was funny but anyway going to the second part of the scene with the product placement joke this was extremely timely because um a week or two ago, the New Yorker television critic Emily Nussbaum put out a collection of essays that basically covers... She started at New York Magazine um, and now is the critic of the New Yorker, but basically it's a compendium of essays and reviews, and an essay that I just finished reading the other day was entitled uh, something like, What Tina Fey Would Do for a Soy Joy? And basically it's, it, was, it, was, it was originally printed in New York Magazine in 2008, and it was interesting reading it from that perspective of the rise of product placement um, up to that point. And it, actually that exact joke is one of the big references because it, well, it, it, a, a good portion of the essay is spent on 30 Rock and kind of how 30 Rock integrated product or integrated products in a satirical, like funny way. But there was also a thread of, well, yes, like it can do it in a knowing winking way, but you know, uh, Nussbaum talked to some other showrunners and writers about, 30 Rock can get away with it, but like, how many times can you do it? Like, you can only do that kind of joke really once because yeah, it's so it. on the nose. The, the snap and the snapple thing snapping. too was pretty on the nose. So it's like you can only do that on the nose thing, in a you know so many times before it plays out. So right. you know, think I mean, and 30 Rock is a satire, so it can do it. Like at that point, it was more that that was the age of DVRs really becoming a thing. So people because people were sipping through, so they would have to talk about products in the show. Um, and I feel like that was over 10 years ago. Now we're to a point where, well, it, it was interesting because that essay was kind of positing that it's just going to become a thing that people dismiss and are used to. And now looking from the perspective now, that's basically how it is. Like some, I mean, some product placement is done, still done clunkily and weave into dialogue in strange ways, but it's to the point where, I mean, you see it all the time. Basically the, 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 it, Nussbaum also talked to Joss Whedon um, and about ways that he was very uncomfortable with product placement because he was taking it more from a pure storyteller's perspective of it ruins the storytelling flow right. and then you're, you're, you're catering to advertisers that might have to arrange a story for it. And now it's in the point where well, basically, I mean, obviously he lost that argument because we're no, it's just how it is now <laughs> yeah. because with, with 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 traditional television ratings down so people less people watch fewer people watching commercials so yeah you know which i don't know like a product integration or whatever you want to call it uh has always been around it's gotten for the most part more subtle 
sometimes not so much depending on where you're looking at. But this is kind of funny because I was just listening to a podcast yesterday that was talking about how various directors or various showrunners will use products in their TV shows and they will do it in like a winking way like we see in 30 Rock or they'll just do it just very blatantly like usually in a big summer blockbuster is usually where it's like not even subtle like I think Michael Bay is probably the biggest uh, proponent of just here is a the only reason I got a production out of this movie was because I said Chevy I will make a Transformers movie and use your cars in it and from what I understand in the first Transformers he they were giving him Chevys just for free because they were like yeah we want we want these in your movie and then by the second or the third Transformers movie they were saying yeah we need we're you're only going to be able to make this if you put these in as product placement so it's kind of that that's kind of gross and it's also like you see um most big summer movies have like someone using a very specific style of phone and it's always the labels out and you're looking like oh they're using the latest sony blobby block like no everyone uses an iphone or an android like no one's using sony phones like they, they're just not that big on the market and it's just always like it's just so ham-fisted it's just like yeah i know we've talked about this on the podcast before yeah. but oh anytime people talk about like phone product placement it always reminds me of the pretty little liars when they were carrying <laughs> around like a stupid microsoft phone or whatever yeah. it was that which i mean even 30 rock is um, if you watch the credits, they, they'll usually be like promotional consideration paid yeah. for by like Apple. Like they'll be using Apple computers or Apple like laptops or tablets or whatever. So it's like, again, it's there, but it's often subtle. They're not like holding it in front of the camera, like logo out. Like, you're not seeing it. So like there is subtle and there's not so subtle product placement. And in terms of like helping get a TV show made for production or whatever, and if they have to do it, at least they are doing it rather like rather subtly. So I can sort of appreciate it because I understand like there's this whole like idea of like how a show's made what you think and how it actually is made. And it's like, yeah, you want to make your show, you got to jump through some hoops to get it done. And it's just kind of like it's gross. But if you're still able to control how the product is showcased, yeah, then you still have some power. I mean, if you think about it, someone has to pay for it. And another big point of the essay was... I, it's not much as much the case now because everyone does it, but it was really talked about how it was a way for lower rated shows to get, receive, you know, additional ad money and funding that they wouldn't necessarily get from normal ad rate charging because they didn't have enough viewers to charge, you know what I mean? So yeah. part of the point was basically smaller shows using it as a way to basically stay alive. Like, I mean, I feel like NBC especially was because there was the infamous like Subway on Chuck and well, Subway on a bunch of shows, but that was another, you know, Chuck low rated show that basically was, you know, kept along by like stunts like that. And, yeah. but now it's to the point where even high rated shows that do show took place in of, like, um, uh, Circuit City or Best Buy type show so I'm wondering why they wouldn't be able to get like name brand electronics but I guess Superstar it took them a couple of years before they were doing like name brand stuff too right? So mm-hmm. Yeah it took a few years Maybe and, like Best Buy didn't want to Yeah, But I mean that kind of product placement profit, um, Yeah Sony or whomever But it, it's kind of nice for shows like Superstore where it's like it's natural like literally they can just stand in front of a display that has it in the background and that's like a way that totally makes sense for the scene it's organic it doesn't affect the 
storyline or dialogue yeah. or flow at all. It's like writing, they're literally just standing in front of a display case, yeah. so it totally, it totally they makes sense. They don't have sense. to write around that product. Yeah. They can just say the product's going to be in the background. Yeah, exactly. So set more uh, <laughs> more, more scenes and shows and stores. <laughs> and I mean, you can have characters go to a department. I have to say, though, there's one, I, the, the worst instance I can ever remember is an episode of Cougar Town. This is after he had gone to TBS, so it wasn't getting an ABC budget anymore. And literally an entire episode was set in Target. And like characters like talking about how great Target was and like flying down the aisles and carts and just like, it was like, it was, it was the sort so of thing subtle. like, it, it wasn't just not subtle, but like it wasn't, somehow it was completely over the top at the same time, not over the top, like enough to be funny and like self-referential, self-referential and knowing. It was just yeah. really just like, a blatant advert. I mean, they had totally built the, 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 the storyline around it and just like, it didn't, it was, it, I, I honestly don't think I've seen any worse product placement ever because it, yeah. it wasn't funny. Like it wasn't the episode itself wasn't funny. Like the it, it was it was obvious that it, it was completely a thirty minute or twenty minute you know plus commercials target, target ad. Like yeah. it was 30, real I think bad. Community in one of the later seasons, I think season six, they do the same thing that I guess Chuck had to do, where they were also bringing in quote unquote product placement of Subway, where inside the world of Community. They bring a subway into the community college as uh, as the new cafeteria, and so they they even like in order for this to be legal, they invent a or they hire an actor who legally changes his name to first name sub last name way, and he's a student enrolled. At, it's it's a very like storyline driven multi episode mm-hmm. thing, but in order for it to be legal in the school, they have to say, yeah, we have a student here that's named Subway. And so we can have Subway providing food for free. Like it's very weird, but it clearly was product uh, product um, placement for a community. Yeah. But at the same time, they're like, all right, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to write it our way and we're going to work it into the show in our way and where it's wacky and it makes sense. But yeah, it's the same thing. Like there's just a gigantic Subway deli inside of this school now. Yeah. And there's a human named Subway that, that goes to this school. I don't know. It's just, I'm glad. I don't like the product placement exists but i understand just the the way the ethics of tv are now you kind of have to have it and if it had that's what's helping making get your show get made full cool and if you have the power of how it's presented that's better but if it's just blatant and i don't know heartless it's just kind of i can't i can't personally really respect that idea yeah but. so yeah what's well, what i've seen apparently from the essay i was reading milf island is when the soy joy integration is so We'll have a little bit more to talk about there because apparently some people didn't realize it was a real product. They thought it was because I guess Soyjoy is the presenting sponsor of Milf Island. So apparently a lot of people thought it was like a, like a, just like they were making a joke and it was a, not a real product, but it is. So we can talk about that when we get to Milf Island. Which is coming up. It's a few episodes away. Yeah. Um, but anyway. But anyway. <laughs> uh, we cut back to 30 Rock and Kenneth is still trying to raise money. So Frank and Tufer have him doing a bunch of. Uh, quests and uh, eating two-year-old two ketchup and scaring Lutz into raising money for for him to buy Jack's new pants. And Cece runs into Jack to get her phone back. But the name of the episode comes from that last scene. If you go back to the five minutes we were talking about product placement, uh, the song that's playing as the ringtone is Somebody to Love. And that's where the name of the episode comes from. Because I, I kept thinking, I was like, why is this? Because no one sings it. And now I know. And knowing is half the battle. And Jack just wants somebody to love. Yes, he's desperate. The only person he has to call is Liz Lemon, so he needs to find someone He needs to find someone. He could have called Cece. I got all the way to Harlem when I heard Wagner coming from my phone. Harlem? 
I'm working out of the Clinton offices for a few weeks. I'm helping Hillary retool her universal health care platform. God, I want to kiss you on the mouth to stop you from saying such ridiculous things. Here's your phone. Obviously, we can never be seen together again. Obviously. I'm up for the chairmanship, and I don't want to risk that. They give you a helicopter, you know. What about me? How can I look those little orange children in the eye? They have no other documented health problems, you know. They're orange. <laughs> this is why I got into politics, to stop big companies from hurting the little guy. What happened to you that made you this way? In 1998, I got shot in the face by my neighbor's dog. Oh, Cece, I'm so... Wait, what? My neighbor had a Riverton hunting rifle with a faulty trigger safety. One day, his Jack Russell Terrier started chewing the area. The gun went off and shot me in the face. No. A Terrier? So I did what was right. I sued Riverton, my neighbor, and the dog. Cece, I'm so sorry. Well, don't be. After six reconstructive surgeries, I'm much better looking now than I used to be. Plus, they made a Lifetime movie about me. Tonight on Lifetime, Candace Vandershark stars as Celeste Cunningham in A Dog Took My Face and Gave Me a Better Face to Change the World. The Celeste Cunningham Story. You know, I thought you made love like an ugly girl. So present, so grateful. So, does Lifetime still make movies like that? Because I know that's like the stereotype, but now it seems like they've, I think of shows like Unreal and You, which are much edgier, and like that R. Kelly documentary, which is definitely not like their, those classic, like, you know, silly... It seems like Hallmark has taken the, the, uh, the banner of really sappy... Yeah. But I, don't know, I mean, those, well, are, those seem to be... Maybe not the domestic violence stuff, though, right, like the, those yeah, sorts of... I think know. Lifetime, that, like, for the longest time, it really was a running gag of shows to make fun of Lifetime as they were the domestic violence and... Women in peril, women, somehow. Which, I mean, it was a women's network, and I guess yeah. it still is a women's network, yeah. but it's like... Um, yeah, that was just their bread and butter, and, but it was also like a running gag um, throughout. So I don't know. I don't watch... I mean, we don't have cable, so we don't really watch TV. We don't know. I'm sure Lifetime is still doing stuff like that. I don't yeah. Know. But we should also talk about it. Kirsten Wig makes her 30 Rock debut and she's at this time she's As still K- was it Candace Vandershark? Candace Vandershark, which sounds like a very lifetime actor name. Yeah. Um but yeah, she's still on she's so she's sort of in her early SNL run at this time. So she still hasn't quite broken out, but she's uh she's on her way in the next few years she'll be off the SNL and, and sort of doing like movies, which I don't think she, aside from Bridesmaid, she hasn't. She's in a lot of she's in a lot movies. of stuff, but um, she hasn't really reached that apex yet of like. But she, I think she's the most successful SNL female cast member. Uh, post was, maybe po- I, I say post the Tina Fey Amy, Amy Poehler Mary Rudolph era, probably. Yeah. Kate um, McKinnon will be the next one, yeah, but she's still on. She's but, already surpassed it, and yeah. she's still on SNL. She's got to yeah. be just a couple years left on SNL before oh, she's for getting sure. out. Like, yeah. I'm just, I was surprised I've, she came back this year because I was just like, she's she's done everything. She needs to leave. But. Yeah, well, I've heard that there there's like rumors that the next season will be the last season. Oh, but well, I feel like her, I'm sorry, will be her last season. But at okay. the same time, though. Next year is an election year, so it's like it's. It, I, I mean, and it wouldn't be until that would be the season after next that the next well, presidential election just, would like, be. Come so. back. That's true. I mean, they had Alec Baldwin basically was. That's the main true. Cast he won. Yes, he will. He he won. Yes, the supporting actor. Yeah. So I mean, she can easily be brought back to do all of that, but um, yeah. Yeah. No, like, Kirsten Wiig. I love her. She's great. She was. She has a terrific run on SNL Kirsten. for like six six years. Hmm? You've been saying Kirsten. It's Kristen, right? Well, is it Kirsten Dunst or Kristen Dunst? It's Kirsten it's Dunst, It's Kirsten right? Dunst, Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig, whatever. It doesn't matter. They know who I'm talking about. No, I was just... 
making sure that I had it right. Being pedantic as not per really. usual. That's not her name. Okay. Anyway, no, I like I like her a lot, and I, I, I what was that? Skeleton Skeleton Twins. twins. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, she's in a lot of like just random small indie movies like that over the she past years. She was also years. in Last Man on Earth, wasn't she? Like yes. She was really, really good on that show. Yeah, she played like a, like kind of like a, a, a rich woman, a ditzy rich woman who like her, her husband, maybe her husband died of the disease or whatever, so she kind of was, was holed up with her dog home. in like this massive mansion and then she yeah. ventures out eventually. Yeah. Who did she, did she end up Oh, she ends up, right? yeah, she ends up going was off with one of the members. Of one the, of the, yeah, I can't remember who now. Go watch Last Man on Earth. Yeah, it's a good show. A good it's, only show. Like, it's only like 60 episodes. You could finish it in a couple yeah, weeks. But it got canceled on a cliffhanger, which I sucks. Think, yeah, and we'll never know the answers. Anywho. Um, anyway. So, Kenneth is still trying to raise money. Liz says something and says... Sees, Liz sees something and says something. And meanwhile, Jack watches the Celeste Cunningham story on Lifetime. Hi, I'm not sure, but... Who is he? And where can we find him? We're having a barbecue tonight. You're welcome to come. Thanks. Maybe I will. Get the gun away from the dog. Hey, hon. Have you seen my hunting rifle? Last time I saw it, the dog had it. What is wrong with you people? I'm going to get into politics. <laughs> that's that's easily the best scene of this yeah, say, So that's, that's mostly a visual gag. Yeah. But... That's kind of what I'm talking about when I'm saying some of like the line level jokes and writing is is really clever because yeah. like that's that's just like a hilarious scene. Yeah, like because it's it's just how just how over the top the movie has to be to like get, like it could be a more poignant moment of like the the dog doesn't literally put his hand inside of the the trigger. I'm not sure what you call it on a gun because there's the thing there's the bar. And then there's the actual trigger. I'm, well, I'm, I'm glad you're asking me, a yeah, noted gun expert. I'm, I know, but um, for him to actually like put his paw into the pull of the trigger rather than just like I don't know, like the gun drops on the ground and and fires off, but it's just like it's so absurd. Because why is the why is the gun just like yeah, lying out the, in the, the yard? The gun's lying there. The people are obliviously talking about the, well, the, the thing. Mom knows that, or the the wife knows. Right. That, oh yeah, the dog. The dog has it. Not like it was near the dog or. Uh, the dog ran off with it. It's like, oh yeah, it was la- like the dog has it. Like, why does the dog have it? And why are you letting him chew on it? And like, it's just like it's so absurd. And even when they say like, oh yeah, the dog has it, no one does anything. Like, no one like runs over to stop the dog. And <laughs> and also the fact that she gets shot, and it's like a it's a rifle. A rifle is going to be effective. A rifle is going to be powerful. And it just does. She just like mildly holds her cheek and is like, ah. Oh, I'm going into politics, and it's just like, oh dear, how silly. Just what a silly presentation. But it's also like, they're probably working on like a zero dollar budget too, so they can't show anything too gruesome. I don't know, it's just, it's it's absurd, but I don't know. It's funny, that, that's the best scene. I do believe in destiny, and I know that I should hate you, but I can't. I love you, and I don't care what people say. We were meant to be in each other's lives. So Celeste is talking to the dog there, but Jack senses a deeper meaning in, in that in his life. She's talking to him. He's reading it very deeply. Um, but Pete confronts Liz. Some dudes took Raheem last night. Huh? 
Sounds like an American hero saw something and said something. Elizabeth Lemon, I can't believe you did that. Rahim is a good guy. You seem to be defending Rahim an awful lot. I'd hate to have to make another phone call. Oh, no, we're cool. Uh, I renounce Rahim. Rahim's a bad guy. USA number one. Yeah, that's another point where Liz just goes over the top where she's threatening to call Homeland Security oh, on Pete. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. questioning her motives. Yeah, yeah like, but that's fear mongering at its best in this time in America. You could do that. I guess by two, I don't know, but I feel like by 2008, like the country was pretty, like 2007, 2008, the country was pretty anti Iraq war, like against military intervention. I don't know. I like, like you could still, I mean, we, and what's I can, it's, it's less worse now, but it's more like now, currently, like if you just question the president, you're un American. It's like that. People were doing that in 2008 and 2009 because we had a black president, but no one was threatening to call Homeland Security on those people. It's just, it's so silly. Like, uh, I don't want to talk about it. So Liz, still expecting her prescription shampoo, gets a message this time from Rahim and realizes how racist she's been this entire time. Finally, my scalp RX. I am Rahim Haddad, and this is my brother Hakim. And these are the reasons you should choose us to be the next contestants on The Amazing Race! Amazing what? Uh oh. We love to travel. Look at all the places we have been Toronto, Munich, London, the Hoover Dam, the Cleve. Oh boy. We are in good shape for the Roblox and Detours. Come on, go! Oh no, oh no. We love America! <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Did you ever watch The Amazing Race? No, God, I don't care about reality TV, so no. It's more a game show than reality. I watched Maddie, a few it's of the a bunch of talking seasons. heads telling you like, I can't, I don't think we were gonna make it. No, it's what? insufferable reality TV. It's a bunch of talking heads saying, yes. They, do they not have? Do <laughs> Did they you not know have the amazing races? Do they not have cutaways where people are talking about, oh, this is gonna be the toughest thing. I didn't think we were gonna make it, and they ultimately make it. Yeah, that's a talk. Yeah, that's a reality show. It's well, not you sound like an expert. That's what it is. I could pull up any clip from the Amazing Race, and that's what it is. It's people. Whoosh, Talking about, oh, I, I can't believe she did that to us, and cut it back to the action. That's a reality show. That's boring, and I don't want to watch it. You tell me they never do that on The Amazing Race. I mean, there are cutaways like that of people talking about what they're doing, but no, I don't That's know. what I just said. That's not all it is. That's it's a reality traveling show. traveling around the world and completing challenges and having adventure. With faux drama. Not really. No, The Amazing Race was, you're, I mean, you make it sound like it's Jersey Shore or something. It was no, much, I know it's not more that about the, It's not that it was, bad, I mean, there was dramatic reaction. moments, but it it's was much less drama-focused than shows like Big Brother and all those kinds of shows. It's just as bad. You've literally never seen it. You I have seen said. it. You just a, said you've never watched it. I wouldn't watch it, but I've seen it. I know what it is. I know enough about it to criticize it. I don't think that's true. Well, that's rude. You haven't seen enough of the shows that I like, and you still criticize That's them. That's not bad. true. Name anything. The critic. I have never said anything bad about yes, it. Yes, you have. No, every day. Every day. 
Anyway, no. I'm sure it's fine. A lot of people watch it. It's, in its, it's like still fifth, on, apparently. It's in its 50th season, because they do two seasons a year now. No, they haven't um, done two seasons in a year in a while, I don't think. They used to, but they stopped doing that a while. The Survivor's up to like 40 or something like that. So probably more than that at this point. I don't know. Ugh. Anyway, it's a... If you like Amazing Race, I'm not going to... I used to like it. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I watched several start. of the early seasons. I'm sure seasons. it's all on Hulu now. It might be, actually. Well, I don't know. Oh, CBS, CBS, so probably not. not be. Anyway. Do you like Amazing Race? I did. I haven't watched it in a long time, like I just said. I don't, it's still not a game show. Just because there's prize money. There's prize money on Big Brother. Do you call Big Brother a game show? Um, and Survivor. Survivor's not a game show. Uh, Survivor definitely is. Um, Big Brother. I don't know because they spend so much time in the impersonal. It's like the Amazing Race is like I feel like it's most of focus on cleaning the task and like who's getting to what locations in what order. Like it's less about the interpersonal drama, like Big Brother is. But even Big Brother, I don't know. I think I would Bachelor's slightly call it show. more of a game show than game a show? reality show. Bachelor, it game show. No, because I think like the competition aspects are literally comes down to who's getting, who's advancing to the next episode, like. But apart from that, like it's, it seems to be more about the interpersonal stuff in general. Real World Road Rules Challenge. Uh, game, That's show, a game show, definitely. They call it, but it's still reality. It still has a bunch right, of but I mean, would you call Who Wants to Be a Millionaire a reality show? No, that's okay. different. No, that's different. One, is that's it? only like 30 minutes. And it literally is like, it's not like there's cutaways of people talking about, whew, I didn't know how that question was going to go for like 30 minutes before the next step, like before the next question. Like that's strictly a game show. If you're gonna get that pedantic about it, then Family Feud is a is a reality show. No, Family show. Feud's a game show. It's a game show, exactly. Those are Who game shows. Who is a game show? Survivor is a game no. show. Survivor is a reality. Show. Amazing Race is a reality TV series. Real World Real World Challenge. I don't even know if it's called that anymore. That's reality. It's not a game show. Real World Road Rules Challenge is definitely a game show. No. It's a reality show. With game shows. Game shows are reality ones. shows, but reality shows are <laughs> <sighs> You're fired. Archie and I will do this. The Apprentice was a game show. Nope. Apprentice was reality. Bad. Anyway, now Tracy goes to play Jack's Cyrano as he sees Cece in Harlem. Cece, look out the window onto 125th Street. You shouldn't be here. I know I shouldn't. I can't help myself. I want to be with you. Tell her that you want your private and her private to do a high five. Okay, Trey, I got this. Jack, we hardly know each other. This could be career suicide for both of us, and you know it. I don't care anymore. I saw your movie, what you said to that dog about soulmates. I think I might be that dog. Tell her her butt look like an apple and you want to take a bite. Buzz me in, okay? Tell her she got some tick old bitties like the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Tell her you want her to donate her body to science and use science. Tell her, Jack! <laughs> so, Tracy's not a very good seer now. No, he's not very good. He but all those lines are funny, especially when the last line about donating to science. No, I think, I think, I think the private parts do a high five. That's my favorite one. I think that's how everybody should refer yeah. to sex now. Private parts is giving a high five. I've been going crazy these last few days thinking about our night together. How you wanted to brush my hair as foreplay. How you made me that western omelet at 4 a.m. I never met anyone like you, Jack. Be with me, Cece. We'll ignore our differences till the sex goes bad, then we'll walk away better and angry. Nobody can know we're together. Not even your friend Tracy Jordan out there. I don't think you have to worry about Tracy. Stop eating people's old french fries, pigeon. Have some self-respect. Don't you know you can fly? 
a secret affair before. And last but not least, Liz runs into Raheem one last time, but still doesn't complain about her racism. Of course not. Raheem, hey, buddy, where you been all week? I put electrodes on my testicles, Liz. Who did? Oh, you remembered my name. America's government shocked my nuts. No, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to do that type of thing. I say, Raheem, why no shake hands? I say, because I don't want sickness before Amazing Grace. I say, Raheem, why all the trips to the airport? I say, because I'm practicing for the Amazing Grace. And then, zit, zit, in my underpanties. Do you have any idea who turned you in? No, but I'm just so angry now. I have so much anger inside. I want to do something spectacular with it. I made waffles. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Even Liz in the Liz end, is Liz is still suspicious. Yeah, she's a monster. Huh. I don't know. I really don't have much else to say about this episode, so if you got anything to close it out on, say it now. If I ever hold your peace. Why can't that pigeon respect itself? It can fly. Why is it fly. eating french fries? Actually, I do like, that's one of my, that's one of those like lines that always runs through my head yeah. when I'm just thinking about 30 Rock, because it's just so... So silly, but I, I've never also never said like once he says that and it cuts back to him, he just starts to look angry and it's just like, is he wanting the camera to stop rolling? Like, why does Tracy look so upset? Is it because the pigeon's not replying? It's very weird, but yeah, yeah. I kind of wonder. Like this episode looks especially bad in the context of ten years later. Like I can't. I honestly don't remember it at all. Watching it back when I first yeah. did, so I I can't remember what my opinion was or if it seemed any less silly or dumb back then I don't know. maybe it was more poignant back then because the see something say something was more predominant and yeah that has gone away since since this episode yeah like maybe it would have seemed more like satirical like because obviously it was over the top like yeah because it, we were in that period of like, yeah not so um, much this is being out of character more so like oh people are ridiculous like with yeah. this going over the top with this see something yeah. say something yeah so. but now it just seems yeah now it just seems like way out of character for liz and in a really bad way yeah like, there's no redeeming anything about yeah. it like she doesn't come off as a good character at all in this episode she's she's terribly racist throughout and it's just it's not a good look liz not a good look um but i mean i think fred armison does fine in this role and I mean, you have your thoughts about him. I could see where that's coming from. I think that's fair to yeah. Also, and judge him that his, way. he's not of Middle Eastern descent. He is not at of all, Middle Eastern which, descent. So but I don't know if he. I think it's. But I mean, him. he would do that a lot on SNL too. Yeah, that's true. those roles. So. That's true. Um, I'm always I'm always curious when that happens. Like when uh, someone outside of that race plays a character. Um, do they are are they okay with it like are they all like so the big thing right now seemingly in movies is if a white person plays anyone outside of their race and it's like a big hubbub of like that shouldn't happen you should cast someone to play that role and then there's people arguing well an actor should be able to play whatever role but when it's sort of the inverse and it's someone outside of a white person is now playing like a character who was originally quote unquote right, they're not as up in arms about it because, and I think it's more of like, well, because we've never had the opportunities and now we're getting the opportunities, so we we're not going to like right. protest that. Well, so the, it's like it's a weird 
Well, I don't think that's where to me the argument is pretty straightforward. If you, a lot of cases, whitewashing is you're taking. Yeah. Gen, historically, there have been fewer stories about people from minority racial backgrounds. So the argument is you're taking away the opportunity for people to, you know, people to of that actual race to have those roles. The reverse argument then it will. I mean, most of the time. It's, I mean, the thing that's happening right now with The Little Mermaid, it's it's usually people of color playing fictional characters right. that were white. Obviously, like, you wouldn't, ca- unless you're doing some, like, huge, like, race-bending thing, you wouldn't have, like, a person of color play, like, you know, like, Bill Clinton or George Washington or right? Abraham, right. you know what I mean? Like, if, if, I mean, if the whole concept was, like, you're bending race, but, like, otherwise you would just, you know what I mean? So, the, the, in that case, it's like, well, A, they're a fictional character, so it's not like you're, you're presenting... You know what I mean? That a second, it's it's you're casting someone of color who's like from who has had less opportunity. So it's like you know they've had. You're not taking away a role from people who from a race who's been historically disadvantaged. Right, right, right. right. You know, yeah. So that I mean that's the argument, and it makes sense to yeah. me. No, I mean I was th- I actually I was just thinking about this in addition to the Little Mermaid stuff. Um, so the original Tim Burton Batman from 89 is celebrating 30 years uh, this year. And um, I was just watching a little bit of it earlier. And Harvey Dent, who played, who not in this movie, but later movies in, and in the Batman lore, has always been a white guy, was actually being played by Billy D. Williams, who is an African-American. And I was like, huh. And it's been, I mean, I hadn't seen that movie probably 25 years, and I didn't even know who those characters were in the time, but in, the, in my mindset, I was like, oh, they got an African-American to play a character who is traditionally white in the comics. And I was like, I wonder if there are people upset about that, like white people upset about that in the late 80s when that was like announced as a casting choice. And I was like, well, that doesn't matter because the character can be whatever because it's a fictional character. They can be played by any race. And then that got me thinking... Eartha Kitt played Catwoman in the 60s Batman, and she was African-American. But as far as I know, Catwoman in the comics was white. So were there people... Well, I'm sure there were people in the 60s that were very upset about an African-American oh, yeah. playing anything I mean, on TV, much less there's still that was predominantly white in the comics and yeah. on TV being African-American. But I'm sure they weren't upset that uh, Cesar Romero was playing the Joker. No, I mean... People were so, upset. They just had less avenues to, to com- and less anonymity. Present, to, yeah, because I mean, even it. now in 2019, if you look at like especially on, like social media, if you ever see an ad showing an interracial couple, like the comments will be filled with lots of racism. So like it or, obviously existed 50 years ago. It's just they didn't have a place easily on the internet to spout it out. And I'm mean, probably people wrote letters to the editor, but yeah. well, so what I've heard basically is like historically, like n- newspapers just haven't just never printed a lot of letters to the editor that were batshit crazy. But the problem is <laughs> people still do those things, but now it's on the internet where there's no editorial control. Right. To, Anybody can post whatever they want. Yeah. They so want there was just as much, and actually probably worse. It just, it seems worse now because it's, it's more easy to communicate yeah. off of that. Yeah. I say let the Little Mermaid be black. It's a fictional character. It doesn't yeah. matter. And it's, it's, it's fine in a way where, like, right, where... And you really don't have to if, watch it. Where in Mulan, if they casted, like, a white person playing Mulan, that would be different because you're talking about a... Well, I mean, you're talking about a story that takes place in... in China. Exactly. Right. In ancient time. Or not... Well, it does take place in ancient times anyway. Yeah, it takes place I mean, it's, in... It's... It, 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 it's in a certain culture where it would be very strange, whereas yeah. Little Mermaid is under the sea, and I mean... Which even in, <laughs> in Mulan, they had white characters voicing some of those oh, Asian yeah. characters yeah. 
but they weren't the predominant main characters. Like, I think, uh, what, what's his name? Donny Osmond? Yeah. Because he does the voice was, of the... He does the voice of the... I can't remember the character uh, name, but... Ping? No. Ping was... No, he's no, he's one of the... He's, he's like the, the leader. The commander. He's one of the, yeah, but, one of the um, leaders. Who's, who's the guy that's... I'm the very... Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein voices oh, one of the characters, right, right, right. too, but he's not like a main character, and it's sort of... Play, he's played for, like, jokes, but I think most of those actors that are playing those major roles were predominantly Asian. Because I think... Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the main voice actress was Asian, who, yeah. even though Christina Aguilera provided the singing voice for um But, I mean, Eddie Murphy was playing the dragon, which, I don't know, it's just like... <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking more of the upcoming live-action Mulan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was just thinking, like, yeah, I mean, there's been tons of uh, historically, quote-unquote, accurate Disney films that have had white people playing voice roles, but... Typically, like, I mean, in Lion King, Jonathan Taylor Thomas was playing the little right. cub and Matthew Broderick played the adult Simba, but, you know, uh, Mufasa was played by James Earl Jones and a lot of that cast were played by African-Americans yeah. that were playing the lions, but even still, it was predominantly white cast for a lot of those characters. Yeah. yeah. Which, and well, obviously that wouldn't be done now, but I mean, yeah. so I mean, well, obviously probably just professional society, but I mean... I, I guess and also like in those you're not seeing the actors you're just hearing right. their voices so a kid's not gonna know and most adults are probably just gonna be oblivious anyway but once you see mm. them physically then it's like I mean it depends like the the, 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 the well the the quote unquote live action Lion King which I think is still all animated is all is I think it's pretty much all except for like Billy Eichner's playing Timon or Pumbaa or whatever but like everyone else is like Billy is Eichner black. is playing Timon yeah. Seth Rogen is playing yeah. Pumbaa but like everyone else is John Oliver's playing Zazu yeah but, I but apart from that like all the main characters are like by um, black actors makes sense like I mean yeah. so people are just more yeah people are just more cognizant of that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And even for Which is an animated, it is absolutely animated, animated live action. I still like it's it's, it's it is all animated. It's so it's like animated. it's weird that it's it's not live action. It's just a different kind of animation from the like original. Some of the shots might be like a yeah. live cub or lion running, but if they're having to interact, it's more than likely just going to be CG. It's just like just don't call it live action. But yeah. Anyway, anyway, that movie comes out very soon, so we will see how well it does. Yeah, I have no real interest in seeing it as much as I love The Lion King, and it's the best Disney animated film. Except for Beauty and the Beast. Nope, that's wrong. <laughs> um, I will be a wait and see, and like probably just watch it on streaming before I really go out and... Yeah, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Uh, it'll probably be one of the first launch titles on yep. there. It'll be around that time. Yeah. All right, anyway, well, any other thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I don't have, like I said, I don't have much else to say. So, um, yeah, it's a, if, again, it's a fine episode. It's just kind of forgettable. And I, eh, not really much else to say. So you, you finish up with you, if you have anything else to say, and I'll get prepped for the next episode. I have no other thoughts. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, as always, thank you for joining us on Go To There. Uh, we will be back next week with Season 2, Episode 7, Episode 28 of our show, Cougars, wherein Liz becomes reluctantly a cougar to a young intern on the set of TGS. Sounds like another opportunity to talk about Cougar Town. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'll have to do some research and see if it was around the time when Cougar Town was being... In like pre-production, so Cougar Town started a year or two after Cougars Modern Family. Was like was like a a common term by the time this episode was coming out. But I think Cougar Town Cougar Town's probably a couple years off from being reality. Yeah, it was. 
It, it was a. I, it, like I, I was thinking a year or two after Modern Family. I remember it came after Modern Family, but I can't remember if it was the first season of Modern. Anyway, it was around the time Modern Family started, or a year or two later. I feel like two thousand nine or two thousand. Yeah, that sounds right. So this would be pre Cougars. So this would be pre. But that was when Cougars was a very yes uh, common internet slash I guess mainstream term now, but. Another episode that's like, yeah, it's got laughs, but I can kind of forget it and, and uh, move on. But anyway, Great. Can't wait. Can't wait. Tune in next week for Go to There. As always, if you like what we're doing, you can donate to our coffee, ko-fi.com backslash go to there and Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, whatever you want to call it. Is the best way iTunes to- podcast. iTunes podcast. Spotify podcast. Spotify. We are on Spotify. Um, Apple, you, Spotify, Musics. Anyway. <laughs> we're going to be like the new YouTube. We're just going to make sure it's always on every new iPhone going forward. But um, anyway, if you like what we're doing, you can uh, you can review us and rate us and all that fun stuff. That's really what's going to help us out. Going down uh, the next line, and David has walked out of the room. So, oh, wait, never mind. David, take us out. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>